How are you? Feels like ages since I've been here because we were all away, weren't we? All out collecting in the Red Shield appeal last week and the week before that I was missing and James gave a great talk. Where are you, James? There you are. It was an excellent preaching last two weeks ago. Did everyone like that? If you were here, if you weren't here, get back onto YouTube and go back a couple of weeks and um, God's provision, miracles of provision. Excellent. I've really been enjoying this series on miracles of you. Wow, we're an excited bunch this morning. Okay. When pigs fly. So many times in the Bible where Jesus does the impossible. And there's so many times in the Bible where Jesus' followers do the impossible, as we read earlier. And as we heard from Leone, there's so many times in the present day where God does the impossible. And I do hope you um, are, are sitting there starting to think of some of the times in your everyday life where you've experienced something of a, an incredible act of God or, or, or something of a spiritual input into your life that has made a difference that you can share with, with Daryl and the rest of the Illawarra in 90 seconds or less. But we are particularly looking today at the times where God supernaturally intervenes in the natural world in such a way that something dangerous or hurtful is avoided. Miracles of protection. Um, I'll tell you a story of a miraculous protection before we, we get into the, the Bible story, but I want to highlight something here with a story from the modern era. Modern-ish, anyway. 1995. Does anyone remember 1995? This guy's not, but not so much, the young people, but 1995 in Oklahoma City in the United States, does anyone remember? Timothy McVeigh and a uh, compatriot decided to fill a rental truck with explosives and detonate it outside the federal building of Oklahoma City. They were right-wing nutjobs who believed in racial purity and they, they thought they were beginning a revolution that would overthrow the American government. Yeah, nutcase, right? Well, the story I want to bring to you is the story of a young Christian youth leader. The First United Methodist Church of Oklahoma City is directly next to the federal building. And when that bomb went off, the entire church, it's a thousand people church, like it's a big building, was lifted, shifted and dropped on its foundations. This was a big blast. And the youth leader, like many youth leaders, had a small office out the front of the building, overlooking the front steps of the building, just like James does, which is kind of cool. Here's an excerpt from what it said in the New York Times article, two weeks after the bombing. Um, yeah, here we go. Pastor Harris usually records his weekly radio address on Wednesday mornings in the main sanctuary. But for the first time in four years, the sound engineer missed the appointment. Sound engineers, right? So the pastor stayed in his office, avoiding the falling walls and glass. One of the associate pastors, the youth intern, Craig Grishel, was at seminary classes in Enid, Oklahoma, instead of in his office in the corner of the church, hit hardest by the explosion. 
It's just a miracle, said Chris Skinner, the director of church property, who was in the building. The hand of God is in all of this. Now, there's no doubt in anyone's mind that Craig Groeschel, had he been sitting in his desk, or in his seat, you got to sit in the desk, you, you know what I mean, would have been killed. There were shards of glass thrown across the room through the spot where he should have been sitting. His chair was bowled over and across the other side of the room. But you know what? Craig had done pretty poorly in some subjects in Bible college. And he was, on, he was doing makeup classes. Isn't that interesting? He was doing makeup classes in Enid, Oklahoma on that day. And so he wasn't there. Sometimes God works in mysterious ways and even our failures turn out to be miraculous. That's not the point. Just take that as, put that in the back of your mind. Anyway, these days, Craig Groeschel is the senior pastor of one of the world's largest churches called Life Church, um, all across the Midwest, many, many cities, many campuses. And, and he says he believes that it was a miracle and it is a miracle that he is still alive. But he has some questions. Questions about why there are 168 other people for whom there was no miracle. 168 people, including 19 children and three members of the church. So the truth is this, when we talk about miracles, we have to acknowledge God can do the miraculous. He is God. He can supernaturally step in and organize things, and make changes to the natural world that protects life. But He is God, and He doesn't always. When we, need, when we talk about miracles, we need to be very, very aware that God does not always do what we think He should do. Do you know that for true? God doesn't even do all that we ask Him to do. What do we plead with Him to do? He'll always answer. Sometimes the answer is no. But there are two things that we're going to turn to Acts chapter 16, or two things we're going to find in this book, uh, in this story. First, first thing I want, to, I want you to think about, as long before you face a plan, uh, face a problem, God already has a plan. That's what we learn in this story. But we also learn that sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. Okay, so we're going to have a look at this book of Acts story. Do you want to turn up Acts chapter 16? Have you got it there? I, I, I challenge you to get it out and have a look. Um, I, we read some of the story, uh, but the story goes for a lot longer, um, and we'll refer to it as we go through. I'm also going to tell you the story um, from the top of my head that I wrote down sort of. All right, so Paul and Silas, his mate, uh, mission partners, ministry partners, they're in Europe and they've gone to the place of prayer. They're going to the synagogue, whatever. And this psychic girl recognizes them, recognizes not just them, but who they are and who they represent. They, she recognizes that they come from God and that they are going to pave the way for everybody's salvation. They are bringing us the good news. And, and she starts telling people this. In my mind, it's like that guy at the door of a fancy ball where he announces the people as they come into the door. Do you know those pictures? Anyone watch The Crown? No, something like that. 
you know, and, and, and I think she's doing this all the time. So despite the fact that she's saying nice stuff, she's telling the truth, Paul gets a bit sick of it. She's loud, distracting, and she puts people off. So he turns around and he says, demon, get out of her in the name of Jesus. And the demon does. It disappears, which is a great miracle, okay? And we talked about miracles of deliverance four weeks ago and go back and, and you can hear me talk a little bit more about those. But the problem is, she was not a free woman. I don't mean she wasn't free because she was demon-possessed. She wasn't free because she was owned by some men in the town who bought her and who used her for gain. Particularly, they used her psychic ability, a psychic ability that was given to her by demon possession. Suddenly, she's useless to them. Suddenly, they are bankrupt and they are not happy. Life isn't fair, is it? It's what I read from this first part of this story. Because the guys grab Paul and Silas, they rough them up a bit. I love the message translations, some great words in here. Rough them up a bit. They cause a scene, they drag them into the market, they rouse a mob. And the police turn up. Good, great. Except they grab Paul and Silas. Why not grab the guys who were beating them up? Doesn't seem fair, does it? They grab Paul and Silas, they drag them before the magistrate. Because they are the foreigners. They are the ones not like us. And so they grab them. Must be their fault. Racist, prejudiced people have always been. Anyway, Paul and Silas taken before the magistrate. Funnily enough, they immediately get before the magistrate. How many of you know that's a miracle in itself in our day and age, in our justice system, immediately getting appointment doesn't happen, right? Anyway, they get immediate appointment in front of a judge. They're accused of disturbing the peace which I find particularly unfair because all they've done is brought peace to one young woman and now they're accused of disturbing the peace of the whole town. Sometimes when you, when you fight for the justice of individuals, society fights back. Have you ever had that experience? That's what they experienced. They brought peace to one young woman and they're accused of disturbing the peace of the whole town. Well, the magistrate sides with the whole mob, such, probably not such a great justice system, sides with the whole mob and they have Paul and Silas publicly stripped, beaten and thrown in prison. It's not fair, right? Nothing in that particular story is fair for anyone, perhaps except for the girls. But certainly, Paul and Silas' experience, it's not fair. Now, add to that, a realisation that, that comes a little bit later on in this story that we didn't read, so you need to read the rest of Acts chapter 6. But Paul and Silas are Roman citizens. Now, we've talked about this a couple of times. How many of you are Australian citizens? Yeah, right? Quite a lot of you. Now, if this was ancient Rome, there would be lucky to be 1% of you who would be Roman citizens. These were the noble, the aristocrats, the CEOs, the very wealthy became citizens of Rome. 
Paul was from a noble family, a wealthy family, and as such, was a Roman citizen. Now, this is a cool thing, because if you're in Rome, you can get away with anything, and the judge can't lay hands on you. From Paul's perspective, the judges and the magistrates had no right to touch him. It's completely unfair. How do you react, though, when life is not fair? How, how do you react when you believe God has done some sort of injustice or, or you think God should have stepped in and done something and He didn't and it's unfair? How do you feel in those situations? I, I thought about this when I was younger. I, I'd get frustrated with God and, I don't know, I, I'd, I'd do things like I'd quit going to Bible study, I'd just not go and God, you didn't work for me, I'm going to go to your Bible study. You feel a bit like that? Well, I'm not going to go to church. Well, you know what I did? You know what I did? I really showed God, you know what I did? I did? I started listening to secular music. <laughs> Amy Grant went out the window and in excess came in. That'll teach God. How do you react when life is not fair, when you believe God is not fair? Well, fortunately, an example set for us by Paul is a bit different. Paul and Silas, they're sitting in a jail cell at midnight. Now, I often hear people skip over that, but you've got to realise that's, that's an interesting point because it shows you just how bruised up Paul and Silas were. Can you imagine them? having gone through such an ordeal and not trying to go to sleep immediately? I think the only reason they didn't is because they couldn't find a comfortable place to lie down on the pain of their bruising. But, so instead, they're in pain, they've suffered incredible injustice, they're completely trapped and locked up. So what are they doing? They were at prayer and singing robust hymns to God. The other prisoners couldn't believe there is. Robust hymns. Don't you love that word? I love the translation of the message. It's great. Robust hymns. I wonder what a robust hymn was. I, I kind of think, you know, something like the football, the chance you get at the football, without the swearing, chance you get at the football, that's kind of the robust hymn. Yeah? You know, this is perhaps one of the first times where Paul is treated with such brutal violence and forced humiliation. Simply for being who he is and acting in ministry, doing what God called him to do, doing what God gave him the power to do in casting out a demon. This is the first time he suffered in such a way, just for helping people. He has every reason to be angry at God, but he isn't. And I have to say, a bit like the other prisoners, I can hardly believe my ears. But then, without warning, a huge earthquake. The jailhouse tottered. Again, love that word, tottered. Every door flew open. All the prisoners were loose. Snap. God exercises His supernatural power. And Paul and Silas are free. Let's not move on too quickly from that. God caused a miracle 
Okay, this just wasn't a coincidental earthquake, as some may like to have pointed out. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, security footage from buildings that suffer earthquakes. You, you can find heaps of them all over YouTube, right? People love to post their videos from their security cameras as their buildings have been falling down. In none of those videos do you ever see every door fly open. In none of those videos do you see every door fall out of its door frame or anything like that. Certainly not doors that are designed to stay closed in a really, really forceful way. Make no mistake, this is not a coincidental earthquake. This is a miracle. I don't know if you have anything in your life that you need an earthquake. Maybe you have a test or an exam or a troubling relationship. Maybe you have too many bills to pay or a bad diagnosis. Poor prognosis. Maybe you feel trapped backed into a corner and you just want God to rescue you pray God help me save me from this situation or that I know I've prayed a prayer like that in fact I've gone further than that I will admit I've been I don't know have you ever done this I've been so desperate that I've made bargains with God you ever done that I don't recommend it God, if you just get me out of this mess, I'll never do it again. <laughs> How's that work out? God, if you just help me pay this stack of bills, I'll make sure my tithing goes in every week. God, 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 if you just get me out of this relationship, I promise I'll never date anyone this dumb again. From the laughter, I suggest that I suspect that's probably been a prayer out there, yeah. <laughs> God, if you set me out of this situation, I'll serve you forever. If you've ever prayed that prayer, come see me, I've got a job for you. Doesn't say in this story that Paul and Silas were calling out to God bargaining and pleading to be saved from the cell they were in. They were praising God robustly. They were praying. So here's where I land with miracles. We praise God in the good. We praise God in the bad. And sometimes miracles happen. They do. Well, I don't want to leave the story there because it gets pretty interesting after this point, doesn't it? So God gives them a miracle. I don't know if you've ever thought about this story in this way. It opens all the doors. And Paul and Silas just sit there. Right? Don't you think that's odd? They don't move. There's been an earthquake. The whole building is shook. It's, it's, it's tottered, right? It's been such a catastrophic event that every door has fallen out of its frame or whatever, just open, right? 
which are, that's a pretty serious earthquake. And I don't know what they, what they had in terms of building codes for prisons back then, but I don't think it was very safe after an earthquake like that. Does anybody? They're still there. They don't leave. Why? I mean, in my view, it seems like the most pointless miracle that's ever happened. Do you ever think about that? It's pointless. All the doors are thrown open, but nobody walks through them. What's the point? Who's the miracle for? Well, those of you who know the story, it's because of the jailer. Because of the jailer. The jailer was responsible for keeping everyone in jail that the magistrate handed over to him. His job was so important that if anyone had escaped, his life would be forfeit. He would be executed. So Paul and Silas stayed there at risk to themselves because they cared for others. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? There are a couple of things in this story. Number one, sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with your temporary plans. Paul and Silas went through a horrible ordeal. They freed a young woman from demon possession and slavery. And they suffered incredible injustice as a result. They were beaten, stripped, beaten, thrown in prison. God did not protect them. Then God makes a miracle happens, but the miracle is not for them, it's for the jailer. And the jailer becomes a follower of Jesus. But there are many, many other times in Paul's life where he is, I don't know, bitten by snakes, beaten, shipwrecked and imprisoned. In fact, many of the letters we have in the New Testament of the Bible were written by Paul as he sat in a prison in Rome before he died in that prison. Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. But long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Sure, it may not be the plan you want. It may not even be a plan you'll enjoy. But I refer you again to the fact that sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. The plan for Paul, arguably one of the greatest followers of Jesus who ever lived, was to be beaten, shipwrecked, imprisoned and to die. Or in this story, just to be beaten and imprisoned in order to bring the jailer to Jesus. You may not understand in your life why God doesn't step in and protect you from something. But you can always be certain that God has a plan. We need to be comfortable with the fact that God is God. Because God is God.
we don't always understand. We may never. We may not know what God is up to. We may never. But we do know there will come a time where we are with him and all will become clear. We're going to sing that song we sung a little bit earlier. Stand in your love. And I just want to open up a time today for you to pray. Maybe you want to pray for God's protection over some part of your life. God's salvation for some part of your life. Maybe you want to pray for God's freedom in some part of your life. Maybe you think it's impossible. Well, kind of isn't, to be honest. Because nothing is impossible. As Leone and others have shared. Perhaps you would like to take the time to pray today and to thank God for something that He's done in your life. Or perhaps you're sitting in a situation and you're not quite sure what to do next. Maybe you're not sure what the step that you're called to do next is. You're in a hole and you don't quite know how to get out of it. God has a plan and you want to know what that is. It may involve a miracle. Maybe that's what we need to pray for. So as we sing this song, I'll invite you to pray. Perhaps you would like to come and to, to step out of your comfort zone and to come and to kneel before God in a place right here in these benches where thousands have knelt before to offer your prayers of thanks, to offer your prayers of petition, to offer your prayers and questions to God as we sing this song. I invite you to come and pray.